Hi, everybody. Mark Swinam. I'm really glad you're joining us today. And uh, how many here have, have ever bought something and then took it home only to find out later that it wasn't genuine? <laughs> a while ago, we bought a Sheltie, and I knew that she, her name, by the way, was Cassandra. She had a second name. And they gave us papers so authentically we knew that she was a full-blood Sheltie. Most of us as married guys have got a spouse who we give diamonds to, maybe earrings or bracelets or necklaces or something. And by the way, seriously, after you've looked at a whole whack of diamonds or a zirconia, to me, I can never tell the difference. I need something that is authentic. Well, folks, I want to ask you some questions about your faith. Is it authentic? How do you know that yourself or your friends or your family members have true living biblical faith. It's not about being judgmental on, on, on this exercise that I'm taking you through today because Paul himself in the church, uh, writing the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 said, God wants us to test ourselves. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. It says, test yourselves. God wants us to be tested. So, not just asking your mom and dad whether they think you're a Christian, but what is authentic faith? Let's take our Bibles and turn to James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. And uh, if you would with me, stand and uh, declare these are the most important things we're going to hear today. Uh, James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food, if one of you says to him, go, and I wish you well, keep warm and be well fed, but doesn't do anything about his physical needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone might say to you, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe there is one God, well, good. Even, even demons believe that and shudder. You foolish people. Do you not uh, want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? What, is, what about our ancestor Abraham? He was considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. Do you see that his faith and his actions were working together? And his faith has, was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited unto him as righteousness. He will be called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, and not, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different way? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Lord, teach us what this means. Continue to change us and authenticate us as your children with true faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, I got some material I got from uh, Rick Warren as well as an old senior pastor of mine, Del McKenzie, that I want to open. In fact, both those guys did a did series that I'm drawing for the, this series, uh, so I'm leaning on them today. Some theologians believe that Paul and the apostle and James, the brother of Jesus, had an opposite opinion regarding real faith. Paul's teaching clearly stated that we are saved by faith and faith alone. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For it is by faith that you have been saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. This 
is clear that it's not about good works that we do or do not do. It's about that God saves us. Salvation is a gift of God to us. And yet James chapter 2.17 seems to contradict that when he says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. James says that real faith includes us doing something. So here's the question. Who's right, Paul or James? Well, let me answer. I think both of them are right. There isn't this contrast. If we understand that where Paul was writing, different in a situation than James was writing in, we'll understand why they wrote what they wrote. In fact, I've got a chart that I'd like to show you in explaining that. Let me just show you a chart that shows the difference between and the similarity between Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, and James in James 2.17. There's a problem. The problem that Paul was going after was legalism. The problem that James was going after was laxity. People didn't care. In terms of works, when it talks about the works that need to be done, Paul was talking about ceremonial laws, keeping the Sabbath, eating the right thing, not eating the wrong thing. And James is talking about Christian lifestyle. What does it look like to, be, to live like Jesus and to live kingdom living? The focus for Paul is the root of the salvation is internal and unseen. But the focus for James is the fruit of salvation, which was, is external and must be seen. The purpose that Paul is talking about, he's trying to get his, under, his people to understand how they know they are Christians. Whereas James is, is getting the, his audience to know how to show they are Christians. See the difference? So now let's relook at the Ephesians 2 text and add verse 10. It says in verse 8 and 9 and then into 10, For it is by grace that you have been saved. Through faith, it's not of, our, uh, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works that anyone can boast. Here's the key. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. When God changes us on the inside, there's things that we will do. Now let's stay with James chapter 2 as our text and answer the question then, what is real faith? I believe this text has five spiritual signs that reveal what real faith is and what real faith is not. Number one, real faith is not just uh, something we say. Verse 14, it was good to say, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith and has no deeds, can such faith save them? The illustration given in verse 15 to 17 is, is about a poorly dressed person comes into your, the, the church or in their home and all we do is wish them well. We might say it a different way. Talk is cheap. It's, we need to do something when we see a need. Rather than just disconnect into the spiritual reality, we need to step in because our faith drives us. We've all been to weddings where high and lofty statements were made to each other. Question is, it's, is it important to do what we say we will or just to talk about what we know we likely won't do? James says real faith within changes how we live our lives without. James says if we have real faith in the person of the Holy Spirit who lives in every Christian, we'll change our lives to become more and more like Jesus' life was. Matthew 7, 21 to 23 Jesus addressed this by saying something quite shocking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who do the will of the Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, wow, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Scary text. 
Faith produces the results of Christ-like change. That's why we say, we say we are here to help seekers and believers become fully devoted, not half-hearted followers, fully devoted. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 28, make disciples, not just cheap, meaningless talkers. Disciples is what we are called to make. Real faith is not just something we say. It's something we do. Secondly, real faith is not just something we feel. It's not simply emotional. Many people confuse how they feel with their faith, and many others get very emotional but never act upon their faith to do something that needs to be done. In Exodus chapter 7 to 10, there's a progression in how the Pharaoh of Egypt reacted by the 10 plagues. And, and it looks like he's kind of coming to the reality that God is, Yahweh is God. Chapter 7, verse 23 says that the Pharaoh did not even take any of God's word to her heart at all. Yet in chapter 8, verse 8, Pharaoh recognized God's power, and the question could be asked, is he coming to faith? In verse 15 of chapter 8, the Pharaoh is relieved, yet he is still disobedient. In chapter 8, verse 25 and 28, Pharaoh asks Moses to pray for him. Okay, he's got to be recognizing he has a need in God, and he's getting closer to God, right? No, he never turned to God. Chapter 9, verse 27, the Pharaoh confessed, I have sinned, God is right, and my people are wrong. Sounds like repentance, but it never happened. Chapter 10, verses 16 and 17, the Pharaoh said, I have sinned against God and Moses. Yet he continued making choices and continued to live a life of sin and disobedience and defied God. Pharaoh believed in God's power and provision, but there was no personal obedience, no relationship with God. His steps towards God were simply an attempt to get relief. Many people want relief, but they don't want faith. They don't want to admit they've been wrong. They don't want to obey God or experience His greatness or goodness. Faith is not simply something that we feel. James used that illustration to explain this in verse 15 and 16. Feelings get uh, real deep here. Feelings of mercy. Feelings, even deep feelings of mercy is not it. Faith is more than words and feelings. Simply being moved by someone in a situation is not enough. Being moved and seeing a need and doing something about it is the test of true faith. Let's give an example. After a church service, maybe you and I could walk to the car together and we will talk. And, and somehow you get an accident. And this actually happened where a husband and wife were, uh, were, were putting uh, tarps around something on their car, and the, the, the wife had her hands going to tuck this in the windows and the top of the car door, and the husband closed the car door on her fingers. Uh, she was okay. But if that happened somehow, and you were walking through the parking lot and simply said, Ooh, I feel your pain. I, I, I wish you well. I, I hope you'll be okay and not open the door and help the lady. You would not be a person of faith that way. This is what James is talking about. So verse 17, faith by itself is not accompanied by action, is dead. Real Christians need to help people in need. Real Christians give personally of their time and their energy to help others, not just saying or feeling something and leave it at that. We are the people who are God calls to action so that our faith can be proven in a court of law. Think with me for a minute. If you or I was ever taken to court being sued or whatever for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence that we would be found guilty as being a fully devoted follower? 
Well, thirdly, real faith is not just something you think about. Many Christians believe that faith is intellectually focused on the Bible and studying it so that we can think through things. Lots of churchgoers like to be stimulated mentally. Lots like to be challenged thoughtfully with new ideas, but many times at the same time as this, they don't expect to do anything with the information. They have high and lofty things. Verse 18. Verse 18 says, But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. Again, faith is visible, not just intellectual. To be a Christ follower is easily provable by our actions. Real faith can be seen. What's on the inside is revealed when the pressure of life is put upon that. It's like toothpaste. You really want to know what's inside? Squeeze it. Outside squeezing shows true faith. Faith is also like calories. You can't see them, but you, you know whether you've eaten too many. Well-meaning and intelligent people understanding the importance of exercise and proper rest, eating well, and, and, and they're intelligent. They know about the importance of fitness, but James says they just don't follow through with doing the fitness. Have you noticed that someone can, cannot do fitness for you? I've been asking Diane for years to please jog for me. This doesn't work that way. Fitness is not about thinking something about running or lifting weights. Fitness is about running and lifting weights. It's about action we are called to. And so I say, so far, faith is more than something we say. It's more than something we feel. Or it's just more than something we think. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old has gone away and the new has come. Now, this is a poor example have you ever touched a live electrical wire? Not a good idea. I was a little boy when I did that the first time. My dad was taking care of me. He was in a building deal that he was making, and I remember him saying, now stay away from that. And of course I didn't. In fact, I was, I was trying to get, you know, the, the little coin-looking uh, things that come out of the boxes, the electrical boxes, and I wanted more quarters, I thought they were. And I can remember reaching in to get one, and uh, I just uh, saw God there. Folks, the power that happens when I touch that is just an inkling of the power of God in our lives to transform us. Once we are sin-filled, after He comes in, we are saints. Once we are self-centered, when Jesus comes in, He, he gets us to love people, and we, our heart and our character and our countenance gets changed. So real faith is not just about something we believe. In verse 19, it says, You believe there is one God? Good. But even demons believe in that and shudder. I think this is a reference to the Shema. Shema is a prayer that is prayed at least twice a day. I've talked about it before here. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I think that's what he's, he's pushing at here. He is saying that demons and Satan himself know all about theology, know all about the prayers of God's people. First, he, he, he knows that God wants to be the priority of all. It isn't about information. Satan and the demons themselves know about all aspects of Christ, uh, Christ's life, and he, some of them were there. Yet some say, you know, if I'm well-studied theologically, if I know the Bible, that's what it's all about. The demons know about God's power, but they won't bow the knee. Pharaoh knew the same thing about God's power and forgiveness, but he wouldn't bow the knee. The word here, by the way, shutter, 
means to bristle or to be in terror. Demons understand the awesomeness of God, and yet they refuse to humble themselves before him. The term, by the way, in this text, to believe, is a term that means to trust in, to cling to, to rely upon. James calls us to trust God, to cling to Jesus and rely upon Jesus' work on the cross and through the resurrection. That is the sign of real faith. Well, fifthly, real faith is something we do. James uses two examples as illustrations of Abraham and Rahab in verse 20 to 26. They're different in gender, yet, and different in vocation, yet they're different in social status and ethnicity. The one thing they had in common was faith, and they let their faith drug, prove them in action. Abraham was asked by God to sacrifice his son, Genesis 22. His obedience and proving to God that he had faith moved, he did something in action. He didn't just think about it or wonder about it. The Bible says he, it was counted toward him as righteousness. Rahab helped the 12 spies which sent, which, who, who Israel sent out uh, to take the first step towards defeating the people of Jericho. She risked her life and did something to help the spies. So God was kind to her and the result was God rewarded her. A number of years ago, I was in Niagara Falls and I went to a museum that showed pictures of a man named Jean-Francois Gravelier. I think I said it right. He was known as Blondin the Great. I don't think his mother-in-law gave him that name, but that's okay. Now, uh, we even have pictures. I, I, want the, I want you guys to see the pictures of this guy. And what he, he did a publicity stunt in June 30th, 1859 by walking across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. And he did it more than once. Now, he had previ I, I previously had read about this and went to the museum to see it, and I found it. There was property of Blondin on display, and the article spoke about how he did this. And he, he went out and back. He went out a second time, and he cooked an egg out on the tightrope and ate it and then come back. Then he got a wheelbarrow, and I think you're going to see a, some pictures of the wheelbarrow, and he pushed his wheelbarrow out on that and back and out on that again and back, and he came back. And the people were cheering and a big to-do. And then he asked anybody, he asked the crowd uh, while they were cheering, do you believe I could do this again? And they cheered. He said, oh, yeah, the blonde and the gray, gray. Do you really believe I could do this again? And they said, yes. He dumped out the ballast that was keeping and helping him with the wheelbarrow. And he looked at the crowd and said, then get in. Who would like to get in? I say today, do you believe? God says, get in. I will provide for you forgiveness. I will provide the Holy Spirit to live within you, God says. I, it's a complete game changer in what God is saying here and doing here for us. And he, some, he looks at this crowd the way that Blondin did and asks the question, do you believe? I started at the beginning of this message where it says, test yourselves to see that you are in the faith. Folks, this is something that we need to do. And those of you that are in the faith, by asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you now, know that God is calling you and you know that. If some of you just don't really care, you need to be very, very careful where you're at in your faith. I leave you with Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. 
not by works so no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good work, good works, sorry, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. God changes our inside so that we'll do things do things on the outside. Faith is something we do. Amen.